everyone, my name is Felipe and this is the podcast Life with AI, the podcast that we talk about artificial intelligence in a simpler way. And for today's episode, I'm going to talk about Gato. And what is Gato? Actually, Gato is cat in Portuguese, so it's quite funny for me. But Gato is the new DeepMind algorithm that maybe is the first step to a general AI. And this Gato is a generalist agent and this agent is able to perform completely different tasks with only one network, with only one set of parameters. So in this case, you're gonna have one network with the same waves that can play games like Atari, that can capture images, that can chat with humans like, like a chatbot, that can like control a real robot arm and move blocks and can do much more. We have this only one network that's gonna decide based on the context, what you need to do, like which task it's performing. And Gato was trained on 604 distinct tasks with varying modalities. Like we have text modalities, we have images modalities, we have discrete modalities, like discrete games like Atari, and also continue modality that is like moving a robot arm. So the model is able to perform tasks on all those different modalities with completely different tasks and it like has good results. The model is not perfect for sure, but it's a for sure it's a first step for a general AI. In the paper, the authors they say that they don't expect that the agent is good in all of those tasks, but they do expect that the agent is capable of doing those tasks. And also that the agent is able to learn new tasks from a small set of data. And this is the called meta learning. I have this episode about reinforcement learning and actually this mo this is a reinforcement learning agent. I will enter a little bit deeper on this reinforcement agent part, but this is a meta learning problem where you have a, a, an agent or a model that know a lot of things about the world and through this knowledge, it is able to learn new stuff much easier than, than a model or an agent that don't know anything about the world. And this comes from us, like if you are a child, it's much harder to learn new stuff because you don't have the word knowledge. But you now, you already have the whole background that you acquired from your whole life. And it's much easier to know new stuff because you can connect the points of other stuff that you already know to learn this new thing. So now let's enter a little bit in the architecture. I will just give an idea of the architecture and then I go, I'm gonna go a little bit deeper onto it so you can understand each part. So to have this general idea, this big idea of the architecture, first of all, we need to tokenize the input. We have these completely different inputs and you need to tokenize it. So after tokenizing them, we can embedding them into tokens. First, we have the input in a way that us humans can understand. Then we're gonna tokenize them to put in a way that the computer can process. And after having it in a way that the computer can process, we're gonna embed it to put in a way that the computer can understand. And after, for some of the tasks, they input a task-specific identifier because they said that for, for some tasks, they're really closer one to the other. So it's hard to the algorithm to know what you need to do. So they input it and I will explain it a little bit more in the when I go deep in the architecture. But after we having the data, the input tokenized and then embedded, and for some cases, this task specific identifier, we're gonna input everything into a decoder transformer network. 
And it's just this, it's a decoder transformer network in the same way that they have in the original paper and voila, it works. And as output of this decoder transformer network, we're gonna have the prediction of the next action. The prediction of the next action can be press a button or even answer in the chat, depends on the task that the, the model, the agent is performing at the time. And this is done in an autoregressive way because the action that the agent takes now gonna influence on what happens in the future. So if I press one button that goes to the left instead of going to the right, the environment gonna interact with me because I went to the left instead of going to the right. So this is an autoregressive problem and that's why it's a decoder architecture and not an encoder one. And just a matter of curiosity, this model for the 604 tasks and you may imagine millions or even billions of uh, training data points, it took four days to train in a 16 by 16 TPU, it's a Google processing unit that is better than, than GPU, for 1 million epochs. So we trained it for 1 million iterations, I would say. And just to you to know also, the whole model have 1.2 billion parameters, which may sound a lot, but it's not a lot because we have now models with 500 billion parameters or even trillion parameters. So 1.2 billion, it's like acceptable for, for today. And now let's go a little bit deeper to understand how the model works. So the first part is the tokenization. And for the tokenization, we have these four different modalities. So we need to tokenize them in different ways. We, we cannot tokenize text and image in the same way because they are completely different. Text is 1D and image is 2 or 3D. So for the text, they just encoded in a subword representation like BERT, and they do it in a 32,000 one-hot encoding vector. So basically you have 32,000 possibilities and each word corresponds to its uh, possibility. Actually it's not the word, it's the subword, but you can think about the word, it works quite the same. For images, they do exactly like the vision transformer paper, the VIT, and you can understand it better by just listening to the episode that I explained it. The, the whole architecture and how Vision Transformer works. But what they do is that they create the 16 by 16 patches like the VIT, and this is the new token. And uh, if you listen to the episode, you know that these 16 by 16 patches, they act like words. And the ensemble of the 16 by 16 patches, they act like sentences. So each 16 by 16 patch, so each patch is a word and the set of patches are the sentences. And now for the discrete and the continuous values, the discrete values like the Atari button press and the continuous values like a position of the robot arm, they are tokenized into a flat sequence. They explain exactly how it works in the paper, but I don't think it's worth explaining everything. So you just need to know that it's tokenized into a flat sequence of size 1024. This is the only thing you need to know. And after tokenizing all these modalities, we can input them into the model. And the first thing that we're gonna do is to embed all this information. And I was wondering if they would be able to use just one embedding technique for all those four types of data, because in the data track algorithm, they use the same architecture, but different embedding techniques for audio, text, and image. Here we have text, image, discrete, and continuous values. 
and they were not able to use just one embedding, but for these four modalities, they could use just two embeddings. So for text, discrete and continue inputs, they just apply one type of embedding plus a learnable positional encoding. This positional encoding is just a way to help the transformer network to learn because we don't have the position information that we had in the LSTM and the RNNs. If you want to understand it better, just listen to the transformer episode that I explain everything. And the only difference is that here we use a learnable positional encoding, while in the original paper and also in BERT, they use a non-learnable positional encoding. And for image, they apply a single ResNet block as embedding. ResNet is a very famous CNN, convolutional neural network uh, architecture, and it's composed of a lot of ResNet blocks. So we have the famous ResNet 101 or ResNet 50, and it's basically how many ResNet blocks the network has. So in this case, we just use one single ResNet block and also a learnable positional encoding to embed the, the images, the image patches. So after having these embeddings, on 25% of the time, they give the information of which task is the model performing now. Because as I told you before, they said that for some tasks, uh, they are too close one to another. And then the model is not really able to understand what is happening. Maybe you have even the same game, the same phase, but with different tasks. And then it's, it's so hard for the model, maybe even for us, the model needs an extra information to be able to know what it needs to do. After having it all, we're gonna input it into the network that is just the decoder transformer block. And as I told you, it has 1.2 billion parameters. So it's a big transformer model. And after passing to the transformer model, we have the output that is a prediction of the next action. And then we're gonna, after this prediction, we're gonna have the interaction with the environment and we're gonna see what happens. So this is the autoregressive model that I told you before. And just to finish the, the model itself, why it's a reinforcement learning agent? It's a reinforcement learning agent because it's taking an action. We are playing a game or we are talking with a human and for each task, for each input that it's receiving, it needs to take an action and based on the action, it is interacting with the environment. So this is kind of the definition of reinforcement learning. And if you want to know it better, I have an episode explaining a lot of things of reinforcement learning. It's a 30, more than 30 minutes episode. So there is a lot of information of what is reinforcement learning, how it works and so on. So you can listen to this episode if you are more interested to know uh, how this reinforcement learning works. And now let's go for what matters, because I explained for you guys how the model works a little bit, but you don't know if it works well. But now let's see it, let's see the results if the model is good or not. So to present the results, they compared for each task the result against the current state of the art. So for these reinforcement learning tasks, you have these models that are the current state of the art, and we want to see how good compared to the state of the art we are. Uh, they don't expect, as I said, to achieve the same result or better results than the state of the art, but they want to achieve at least like 80%, 90% in a lot of tasks. So let's see how it went. So they said that Gato performs over 450 out of 604 tasks at over a 50% expert score threshold. So what does it mean? It means that 
if the state of the art performs like in the, the whole phase in one minute, and of course, it's not only the time, but also how many coins you collect during the phase. So there is this whole set of rewards that uh, are counting for the final result. And if you want to understand better rewards, just listen to the reinforcement learning episode. So it means that if the state of the art have a performance of 100 coins or 100 rewards, Gato have at least a 50% score on all more than 450 tasks out of the 604. So in much more than 50% of the tasks, it has, it has more than 50% the result of the expert, which in the paper they, they said it's good. And I also consider that it's good because that's again, the difference between a specialist and a generalist. What do you prefer? Being great on one task or being really good on a lot of tasks? Uh, it's not what you prefer, but like this is the algorithm. <laughs> and now going a little bit more specific into each kind of task, because we have like the games, we have the robotics, we have the image and the text. For the games, they said that Gato is really good. It's almost always better than humans, but it's still worse, worse than the state of the art. So it's really good. Having a model that is better than humans, but a little bit worse than the state of the art is already really good knowing that there are more than 600 tasks. And for robotics, uh, they said that the model achieves results comparable to the state of the art. And this is really nice. Uh, they showed that for some tasks, it's a little bit better. And for some others, it's a little bit worse. So it's comparable to the state of the art. And unfortunately, for text and image tasks, and the image tasks, the output is always a text because it's image captioning. So you have an image and you're gonna have like a subtitle or something explaining this image. And they said for these both problems for text and image captioning, the results were rudimentary. <laughs> and for me, it was nice, the word that they use to attenuate the not that good results. Uh, but I saw the results in the paper, You and I'm going to put the link of the paper. You can see that the results are, are good, like they are good. Of course, they are not great, but it's a first step. As I said, it's a first step of having this one model able to perform all these tasks, some really well, some average, and some not that well. And the last thing that they wanted to test using this model is the adaptability to new tasks. And they showed that the model can adapt to new tasks with some few examples, because the goal is not only like, okay, give me the whole data set, I'm gonna le learn this new task. No, the goal here is that knowing that I have a good knowledge about the words, give me just a few examples that I will be able to play this new game. So yes, it was possible, but they also showed that for some tasks, having this pre-trained model, this pre-trained agent does not increase the performance. So having this agent that is good on 600 tasks, does not infer that it's gonna be better than an agent that is only good in one task or that is not pre-trained at all to perform better in this new game. But there are some examples that it does help. So as you can see, it's really a preliminary study. Like this is one of the first steps to achieving a general AI. But for me, it's already really nice, the results of this paper. And I imagine that for the authors, it's the same because like I never saw something like this before. We have the, the data to VEC, but the data to VEC is to well, just these three different tasks that are audio, image, and text. Here we have 600 tasks, so like it's crazy. I, I'm pretty sure that in two years, I don't know, one year, we're gonna already have some crazy results. 
in these general AI problems, like these multitasks and multimodalities and multi everything. So yeah, I hope you also enjoyed the episode. And this paper was published like one week ago. And I, when I saw the results, like when I saw what they did, what they were trying to do, I said, come on, I need to read this paper and make an episode about it because people need to know it. And guys, next episode is the episode 52, which means that it's one year of the podcast, one episode which each week. And it's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a, an episode really nice for me, really important for me. And well, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure you guys going to enjoy. And well, that's it for, for this episode. I hope to enjoy. And don't forget to follow the episode on social media. On Instagram, we are podcast.lifefai. And on LinkedIn, we are lifefai. Until next Thursday, guys. Goodbye.